any really aspect of law that it may seem very black and white on paper, it's definitely not. If you can meet this little standard, you can be agritourism and that's going to like wipe out all these other requirements that you have. And now it'll just all be allowed. You have to figure out a way for what you want to do to qualify as something else that is allowed. You could quickly go from, yay, I found the perfect five acres for 15 grand to spending, you know, 80, a hundred thousand dollars trying to make it actually work. Have you ever wanted to buy a tiny home and put it on a piece of land? Or maybe you wanted to own the land and put a tiny home on it after the fact. Or glamping, where you put up a tent, dome, yurt, tiny home, A-frame, anything, and rent it out to others and make money off of it that way. It's a beautiful way to get financial freedom and to get people back into nature. But there's only one problem. You have no clue on the zoning and the permitting that needs to get done to actually make this all legal. So because of that, you actually haven't even started. Well, in today's episode, we're going to help you chase down your dreams. I have Nick Labity, a senior expert on zoning and permitting with over 15 years of experience talking to local government officials. Today, he's going to break down all of his tips, tricks, and where to start when you reach out to try to get these things built out. So today's episode is amazing, and I honestly believe it is the best conversation ever recorded on zoning, permitting, tiny homes, and glamping in the history of zoning, permitting, tiny homes, and glamping. One last thing. I get a ton of comments asking me to make more episodes and videos like this. You guys want Hardcore topics with experts talking in depth on how to make things happen. And I want to provide that for you guys. I just need you guys to smash the like button like crazy and leave as many comments on this video as possible. Let's make this my most commented video. I want to show the YouTube algorithm that this type of content works on their platform. So that way it makes a ton of sense for me to make more and I can get more experts on the show. This is the Keep It Tiny podcast. Let's get into it. So I am a, uh, my, my title is senior planner. Mm-hmm. I am an urban planner by training. That's what I got my degree in at uh, ASU, Arizona State University. Um, and so what I do, though, most people that become an, an urban planner go into the, the public sector. So they work for the city, the county, some sort of government doing their planning work. Uh, I ended up in the private sector and at a law firm, which until I um, happened to be throwing a party and having a friend come who I found out at that party was an attorney. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, no, you're not. No, you're not. She's like, no, I am. What are you? And I was like, I'm a planner. She's like, we're looking for a planner. And I was like, at a law firm. <laughs> and, uh, and that was it, you know, 15 years later, a little more, I think here I am. And um, so what I end up doing is really falls into the category more of land use consultant, or even sometimes just project manager for real estate development projects. And it can be everything from, Something small like, you know, somebody wants a pool closer to the fence than they're allowed to have it, or somebody wants to be able to put up a short-term rental in their backyard or whatever that is on kind of an individual private property level, all the way up to, um, you know, we've, I've worked on projects that are, you know, over 10,000 acres and it's an entire master plan community with, it's basically a whole city and then everything in between on a daily basis, I might work on, um, you know, today I'm working on splitting some lots, some parcels for somebody, uh, use permits and variances, rezonings, all that kind of stuff is kind of what I do day to day. And going from the top of where someone were to realize, like, I need someone of your expertise, 
or they are just, they're not sure if they need someone of your expertise. Like what is the process naturally? Like when, when they reach out, uh, do, and, and also do you think what's their experience level? Like do most people know exactly what they're looking for or do you kind of have to steer them in the right direction? That's a good question. You know, I would say it depends on who they are, who the they is. Mm-hmm. I I would say most of my clients are are folks who are either, you know, they're in the industry already. So they're they're either home builders or um, you know, they they have some sort of business that that deals with a lot of sites and locations. And so they're used to needing someone like me. Um, or they're just a developer and and so they know that they need someone like me. Where it's somebody um Usually it's individuals that, that don't realize they needed my services until something happened. They either got a complaint filed with the county or city and now they're in trouble. Yep. And the, that person said, Hey, you need to go hire somebody mm-hmm. or, um, you know, some other consultant they have, an architect or an engineer or, um, somebody like that has said, Hey, you know, you should get a land use consultant or a planner on board to help you through this process. And I always tell people that I feel for them when they have to come to me because really everything I do is meant to be able to be done by the general public. Yeah. You know, these, this is government processes and, and they, sh- you should be able to do it yourself, but you know, that's the way, the nature of things. And so, yeah, unfortunately, you know, when someone needs my services, it's because they realize that it's kind of like, you know, wading into the tax code yourself, trying to figure out a zoning ordinance. It's, it's just references in 15 different directions to 15 different things. And, you get a little bit lost. And so, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I know that when I was uh, searching for land myself and kind of digging into everything, um, it was like trying to find a needle in a haystack when I was doing the information on, because as you know, um, uh, you know, well, more than I do, um, the ordinances and things change from city to city. Um, and the more uh, rural or small the city is, uh, maybe the better the town is, the better it may be for a glamping business, but the harder it is to find the information. It's not as readily available because there's not as many people, you know, trying to dig through those. Um, so I, I definitely understand. Um, do you think that, uh, or, or uh, with, uh, with needing a planner, is it solely when whoopsie daisy something's going on? Or do you think that there's a, a space where people could be more proactive about working with a planner? Oh. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, it, it, it's very, very common for me to have somebody come that has, um, that, you know, is in the oops stage and they've got code enforcement knocking on their door and they need to get things figured out. But it's definitely better because, it, you know, it, it's like any really aspect of law that while it may seem very black and white on paper, it's definitely not. And it is up to interpretation and, and maybe not interpretation so much as kind of the perspective that you, that you come at, at a problem from. And, you know, the, the question everybody's asking is what zoning district do I need to be looking for? Mm-hmm. And like you said, it's different. It's different everywhere. They, there is no, there, there are kind of themes to zoning districts. Um, and, and that's really because the, the, powers granted to cities and counties to even have zoning is is essentially federally granted. And so that's why zoning is similar across the country, Mm -hmm. but it's not exactly the same because it's just a power that's granted. And then everybody kind of went to the same school of planning that actually all started with architects and landscape architects. And, and so zoning ends up similar, but it's not always the same ag ag district agricultural, which is what I think a lot of people think they want to find Mm -hmm. is different everywhere. You know, like, yes, they may all call it 
ag agricultural or something along those lines, the details are where it really gets you. And, and so somebody like me can really help in not only understanding the language that the folks on the other side are speaking when it comes to a zoning ordinance, but in, in telling you where you may have been thinking of it as a short-term rental, right? Like, okay, I'm going to put out glamping tents and a couple of domes and a yurt, and I'm going to do short-term rentals. Mm -hmm. Well, from a zoning ordinance perspective, something that is a short-term rental is very, very different than something that is a campground or that is an accessory dwelling unit or that is a commercial use. And so understanding that language and what to call things to get the right answer is a way that a planner can, can be super helpful. And then also knowing that there are other ways, other things to call it, you know, to know that, Hey, if you can, if you can meet this little standard, you can be agritourism and that's going to like wipe out all these other requirements that you have. And now it'll just all be allowed. Um, wow. And then also I think to, to when it goes beyond, like if something's not allowed by right, which means you don't need a discretionary approval to get it. That's where somebody like me can be very helpful because the process, the discretionary approvals, which are things like special use permits, conditional use permits, variances, rezonings, those kinds of things. Um, those are tough. That's, that's not something that really, if, if somebody does it on their own and gets it done, I don't want to say they got lucky, but it could have gone very South very easily. And I think they don't realize the sharks they avoided along the way. Yeah. That was a long winded answer, but <laughs> no, it, it, it's cool. Cause, uh, as I'm not sure if you could already pick up on it, let's say, you know, I, I haven't done a lot of research in this as well. So I, I'm, <laughs> I'm almost feel like I'm learning a lot. Um, and I wanted to, before moving on, dig into something that you said there where, um, and, and there was a lot, there's a lot to dig into there, but you said that, uh, with, uh, zoning, um, and agriculture, which you said a lot of people think that they, that they're interested in. Um, what would you say is something? And I, and I understand that with this type of stuff, it really does change by location to location and you really can only give blanket ideas. Like, I don't, I'm not even sure if I can really call it advice for each individual at one time, you know? So, yeah. but, but what do you think is for someone who's maybe just starting out looking for land, uh, obviously looking to get into a glamping space? I mean, you said the magic words, domes, yurts, tents, that always gets me <laughs> excited. Um, you know, what, what do you think is for someone who hasn't purchased land just yet when they're just starting off the hunt? Um, you know, what are they looking for? Yeah, so I think the the first thing to do before even knowing what zoning district to look for, the first thing you need to do if you if you have your location down to a county or city or you know even just a few within an area, the first thing to understand is I to do is identify what you want to do. You know, whether that's uh you know whether it is yurts, domes, tents or A-frames or a true short-term rental or container house or you know Figure out exactly what you want to do and then go to the, that zoning ordinance and read through the definitions and the allowed uses and figure out what that zoning ordinance calls what you do, what you want to do. Because until you do that and, and find that use in the zoning ordinance, you, you won't have any idea what you're really looking for. So that's really step one is figure out what the zoning ordinance calls what you want to do. It's probably not the same words. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? For example, a bunch of true glamping safari tent style or bell tents, you're, you're, you're not looking, that's not a short-term rental. Most places, that's just not going to be a short-term rental. That's going to be a campground. Okay. And so 
you're going to then need to be thinking, okay, I'm doing a campground, not short-term rental, not accessory dwelling unit, not vacation rental. I'm doing a campground. Mm -hmm. Now it's okay. Look where that is an allowed use um, either by right, meaning you're just allowed to do it or conditionally, which means you're allowed to do it, but you have to kind of check these boxes Okay. or it may be a special or conditional use in which case you have to get a conditional or special use permit. Um, so figuring out what the zoning ordinance calls what you want to do. Step one. Okay. So that's just getting into it where, so before even looking for land, one should think about what am I actually going to do and then yep. go from there, then look for what works best for them. I, I'll be honest with you. That's a hundred percent the exact opposite of what I did. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so uh, I remember I found, uh, I, I did my due diligence in terms of finding the, the right piece of land um, and making sure that the, uh, the location, you know, allowed uh, short-term rentals and other things of that nature. Um, and I pulled the trigger before even a hundred percent knowing what I was going to put on it. Um, mm -hmm. for, for me, I had uh, a dollar and a dream and, yep. uh, I purchased, uh, what I think is I'm obviously biased. I fell in love with this piece of land, <laughs> um, cause it works for glamping, you know, and all of those mm -hmm. things that checks off. It's easy to get to, et cetera. Um, yep. but I purchased the land and I said, all right, time to find out what's legal here. Because uh, yeah. I'll go any which way they want me to go, you know. I'll I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll uh, put an RV that's you know that's not that's a temporary dwelling unit or something along those lines, or I'll go a frame, I'll go tent, I'll go left, I'll go right, I'll do whatever yeah. they allow me to do here. Um, how bad is that? <laughs> <laughs> Good question. I don't think that's bad at all. I mean, really, you know when you're a hammer, every problem's a nail, right? So as a planner, mm -hmm. my first thought is like, okay, figure out exactly what the zoning ordinance says. But at the end of the day, if if it's, if that property, if you fall in love with it and you're ready to just make something work on it, mm -hmm. get it. You know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, it's a property you love and you're just going to make it work. So I don't think that's bad at all. It may mean that if you had an idea of something you wanted to do, it's just not allowed, mm -hmm. you know, that, yeah. that can happen for yeah. sure. That, that I've had to tell a lot of people over the years, look, that can't happen the way it is currently zoned. Mm -hmm. So we would have to change the zoning on it. And you can always, you can always request to do that. You can always submit an application to change the zoning that you have. It is almost always expensive and difficult. Okay. So um, if you're a gunslinger um, and willing to go any which way the town will allow you, maybe it'll work out just grabbing a piece of land and figuring it out. But if you're really married to an idea, I know a lot of people you know, kind of don't come at it the way that I do. A lot of people say, you know, this is exactly what I want. This is the idea I've always had since youth, you know, like this yeah. is what I want to do here. Um, then it's probably the best route to have that in mind and, and go searching for that rather than trying to get the, uh, the zoning changed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if, if there's a use, you really, if that's what, if you're looking to do a specific thing, then make sure that thing is allowed. If you're looking to just do something awesome on some amazing property, look for the amazing property. Okay. Right? I guess it's like that's that's a that's a yeah. I would that, that actually as we're kind of like talking it out, mm -hmm. that that's what it's really about, right? Figure it out what you want, yeah, and then make sure that thing works. And if it's the property, go make sure that property is great for you. Okay. If it's the if it's the use, make sure that use is allowed. That's okay. yeah. And that's, and what about for the people with deep pockets? 
and you said that the the other option is you know if you're already it, let me not say the people only with deep pockets if the people with deep pockets and are just going to figure it out um you know if you're rich anywhere is a parking spot you know you'll take the ticket <laughs> right. um or um the people who you know are kind of stuck I, i'd imagine there's a lot of people whose backs are up against the wall as they're just learning that you know the property that they already purchased is is a yeah. no go for what they wanted to do um obviously it would be better than not be in that situation but for the people are, that are in that situation can you let me know what it's like like wh what do they have to do and what what do they need to be thinking about like what's the process there yeah that's a that's a, that's that's a good way to look at that um so it it really comes down to creativity i think you know and, and it and it may come down to flexibility as well so say somebody found five acres And they love it, and they've got they've always since their kid, like you said, wanted to do a a a campground and had this glamping idea, but long before it was a thing. Mm -hmm. So they they jump in, they buy the five acres, they start building a deck, and they start putting a tent on. And the neighbor complains, and now the the county's out there, and they're saying, "Here's your notice of violation. Mm -hmm. You're not allowed to do this." Yeah, and now they are stuck, and they feel like the world is crumbling around them. Especially if then that inspector says you have to have 10 acres to do a campground, you know, and, and then it's like, look, we can't afford to buy five more acres. Mm -hmm. We, there's not another five more to buy, yeah. whatever the, whatever it is there. It's like, okay, this is not an option. Now, what are we completely screwed? And, you know, did we make all the wrong decisions? The answer could be yes. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it could be, it could be yes. Mm -hmm. But often there is some other way to get something done. So in, 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 allow a campground under five acres okay well is that something that falls under a development standard and can therefore be varied from and that's a a, a term from most ordinances that allow variances that means okay here's the requirement i can't meet it but i want to be legal so i'm going to go request this and that is something that has to meet certain legal tests it's usually pretty difficult to get mm -hmm. but under certain circumstances okay there you go you got a variance approved And now you can be five acres instead of 10. Okay. Uh, so sometimes that isn't an option. So you would have to, like, if a variance isn't an option, you have to figure out a way for what you want to do to qualify as something else that is allowed. You know, so it might be that, okay, short-term rentals are allowed, but you have to build some kind of structure that meets the building code to be able to call it a short-term rental. Mm -hmm. So now instead of a glamping tent, maybe it's an A-frame cabin mm -hmm. and multiple A-frames, or maybe it's a container home. Um, and so it may be that your concept has to shift, but usually there is another solution and it's not just sell everything and lose your shirt. Okay. And then if someone was, uh, had a, a really good, uh, uh, planner, um, if someone had you working for them, uh, it, you know, what's, what's the success rate on that? Cause it still seems as though that, that trying to change the law to work for you, <laughs> it still seems like it's probably a bit difficult. It it's hard. Yeah, it's hard. And, and, and frankly, it's expensive because it's, you know, it, when someone hires me, they're hiring all of the 15 years that I've been doing this and that mm -hmm. experience. And, you know, it's like any hiring a doctor, lawyer, you know, whatever yeah. it is, it's, it's, it's expensive. And, yeah. and that was what I think is unfortunate because I don't think, Anybody should have to spend that kind of money to get something done that is meant to be done by the public, you mm -hmm. know, but at the end of the day, it typically is. So, I mean, it, it can run 
uh, just to give some examples, and this varies widely depending on where you're at. Mm-hmm. Um, in a place like California, you're looking at five figures just in application fees. Wow. So a lot of places you're in over, you're in between 10 and $20,000 just to submit your application uh, and have your city or county process it. Mm-hmm. That's just their fees. And that's not a flat fee. It could go up from there, depending on what needs to be done. You may have studies, soils, geotech reports, um, all sorts of, you know, there could be, there are a lot of engineering studies that might need to be done that in themselves are going to run you five figures. Um, hiring a land use consultant or a zoning attorney that can also run into the five figures. So, I mean, you could quickly go from, yay, I found the perfect five acres for 15 grand to spending, you know, 80, a hundred thousand dollars trying to make it actually work. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that's kind of worst case scenario mm-hmm. there in, there's always more than one way to do it. So, Absolutely. Um, you know, the more time somebody's willing to put into it themselves and really dig through a zoning ordinance and, and do the research and, and, you know, track down the people at the county or the city, uh, the, the more money you save for sure. And, okay. you know, I, to kind of go on a little bit of a tangent, sure. a lot of people will ask, uh, you know, they get frustrated calling down to the, the planning department or the building services department, whatever it's called where they are. Um, because they, they feel like they get a different answer every time they call, mm-hmm. they feel like they don't get an answer that really solves their problem, you know? And so, and, and they just get flustered and frustrated and want to quit. And I, and I tell them that, you know, in some ways calling the County to figure out how to do, develop what you want to develop. Cause at this point you're a developer developing a campground or a glamp site or whatever. Um, it's like calling the IRS for tax help, uh-huh. you know, it's like. Yeah, they are the authority, but they represent the public. They don't represent you. They're not there. They're not your accountant if they're at the IRS. You know, they're on the other side of things. And, and that's just kind of frankly how the planners at cities and counties are too. You know, they represent the public. Yeah. They're not there to figure out how to do everything you want to do. And they are within kind of the bubble of the zoning department. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's another thing that people don't understand is that that there isn't one person at a county or city who who knows everything and can solve all your problems. And that's why often it feels like you're getting different answers because you might've called and talked to a planner and they told you one thing from a zoning perspective. And then the next day they, somebody connected you to somebody in building services and they're looking at it from a building or building code situation or perspective. Yeah. And so they told you something a little different and it's, so you have to do that research and be your own advocate or hire somebody. Yo, what's up? This is JS Bronze. We're going to get right back into today's conversation. I just quickly wanted to talk to you about the Keep It Tiny Club. If you are serious about starting a unique short-term rental or glamping business this year, then this is the club for you. If you're interested in networking with other people who are serious, online live events, Q&As with industry experts, sharing information, and hey, maybe even having a direct one-on-one conversation with me, then check out www keepittinyclub.com to learn more, but hurry up because we're having a ton of virtual online live events happening all the time. And I don't want you guys to miss out. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. 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 I, I'll be honest. It, it uh, to me personally, um, cause what you said uh, is something that I think is very great that I try to tell people, um, you know, at this point we're developers, um, whether they want to see it in that sense or not, 
were developers. Um, I, I tell yeah. people, I ask them, I'm like, uh, so what about people that work in real estate or like, you know, I always drop something along the lines. And then it's funny that they choose to self-select that they're not in real estate. Yeah. I'm like, you yeah. own five acres of land. Like, yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's a lot of real estate here in America where, you know, we're not making any more land. Um, yeah. So, um, but, uh, 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 going into that though, uh, so I want to know, uh, just a piece of advice that I naturally give to people piggybacking off of what you just said. And I, I honestly want to know if my advice is terrible. Um, just, <laughs> just because, uh, what you said, there was something that I went through a lot of where reaching out to people, getting different responses, et cetera. Um, so I started to live by kind of two monikers and this was when I was, uh, I looked at about. 12 to 13 pieces of land in person. Um, cause for me, I was like, okay, the, the one thing that could make or break me is if I have a, a crappy piece of land, I'm willing to change it, um, uh, or change what I'm building on it, but I just want to find the perfect piece of land. So I reached out to a lot of different towns. Uh, a lot of taxpayer dollars were used with me <laughs> on the phone, just reaching out to people. Um, and, what I walked away from it was with two things. Okay. A, I'm going to try to email as much as possible. I may have to wait to get a response and it's not going to be as immediate, but at least now I have a paper trail of these communicate of the communication just in case, you know, uh, uh, Sally told me one thing on Tuesday and Jeff told me another thing a couple of days later. Um, I don't want to be, uh, you know, the, the crazy guy who swears that I spoke to this person and, and you know, there's no yeah. communication that, um, I was at least led astray. I know that even if I'm given faulty information, it's on me. Um, but to at least, uh, uh, to have that there. And my second thing is God bless county clerks. Um, for mm -hmm. me, uh, you know, just as that person just randomly inquiring, uh, just reaching out. Uh, county clerks have been very helpful to me. So what I did, especially for these smaller areas where, you know, it's just one to two people who really know everything and they're the pe people that you reach out yeah. to. Sometimes they don't even work seven days a week. You can only reach out to the county clerk on Tuesdays yeah. and Thursdays before <laughs> noon. Um, yeah. but, uh, so what I did was as I'm looking for land, um, or had any types of questions, I would email the county clerk and wait for the response. And, and I only, uh, did com communicated via email. Um, and I always reached out to the county clerk first and foremost before I did any more digging. Uh, mm -hmm. is that terrible advice, uh, to give to others? I know I, I have to live in the bed that I created. Um, but I want to assist other people who are thinking about this space. Yeah. No, if it works, it was the right way to go, essentially. You know what I mean? And, and you said it that a lot of these, especially if you're looking more rural areas for kind of the, some of the things that we're talking about. Uh, it's it's very possible that it's the clerk. It could be the the county assessor. It could be, um, you know, one of the the county supervisors. It could be the city, the county manager, the city manager. If you find somebody that helps, stick with them a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and as far as corresponding an email, it, it's good for a lot of reasons. I think it's good because if you're the if you're that person at the county or the city, and somebody's asking you questions, it's a lot clearer to get it in writing. And, and, and if it's not, then they can reply and clarify and it kind of creates an easier way for them to help you. And so it goes back to that, help someone help you, right? Make it easier for them to help you. And then they are more likely to do it. And so, and because then you do have a record, you can look back. Okay. What did they say? Oh, they said that. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Now the catch is that unfortunately there's no consequence for lack of a better word at a jurisdiction. If they gave you the wrong information. Yep. So short of issuing a permit, 
nothing. I mean, they can tell you the entirely wrong thing. You might spend a hundred thousand dollars based on that. And it was wrong. Yeah. Um, it, and they're going to say, Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. And that'll be kind of the extent of it. I mean, you could always, anybody can sue anybody for anything, but you know, <laughs> counties and cities are not afraid of getting sued. They get sued all the time. Yeah. And they have whole departments to handle that. Okay. Um, and so it's, you know, it does help because look, we're talking to people and people that, that gen genuinely want to help, you know, it, I think a lot of people start to think that it's a very adversarial situation and that they just want to tell, you no. and, and it's really not the case. They have to be careful about things they say yes to and, and things they say are allowed because they don't know your entire story and your entire project. You know, somebody and they don't the, typically the people asking them questions don't really understand the 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 terms that are that are being used. Mm-hmm. And so they may say, can I X, Y, Z? And they'll say, well. I mean, maybe it depends. Are you going to also, you know, and for them, they're busy. They've got a whole thing. And now they're on the phone in the middle of the day and they want to go to lunch. And this person's asking the questions, but doesn't even understand, you know, the first thing about it. It's hard for them to then get into this huge solution, which is hard and complicated mm-hmm. and and difficult. And, and that's, that is part of our job to figure some of that out on our own. Cause like you said, yeah, we're developers. We're, we're doing, we're in the real estate industry. We're developing a commercial endeavor. You know, this is something that you do have to actually learn somewhat on your own. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people get lucky and find that planner that wants to just dive in and tell them everything. And, yeah. you know, it, but it's really good to remember that these are people and these yeah. are people that whose job isn't to solve your problem. Mm-hmm. It's to do, it's to be the authority and administer the zoning ordinance and, and represent the public. And so it comes back to, you know, treat people like people. And, you know, if you're going to go there in person, be friendly, if you want them to be friendly to you and, and I, I liken it a lot to, um, you know, people will say there's like this, this idea that, that people in Paris are rude or don't like Americans. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, did you, do you only speak English when you go there? Like, do you even try a little bit of French? Mm-hmm. And if you do, it's going to go a lot further. You know, mm-hmm. like if somebody just came up to you in the streets of New York and Manhattan and started speaking in another language, you probably, most people mm-hmm. probably wouldn't do a lot to help them because yeah. they have no idea what they're even saying or what mm-hmm. they're asking. Whereas if you come up with some bad even poorly accented version of whatever language of the country you're in, people are going to be a lot more likely to help you. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's the same thing with the zoning department, right? If you go in and and they can tell you've been doing some research and you're genuinely trying to understand what's going on and you're not just starting with, Hey, I want to build this. Tell me how, yeah. you know, they're going to be a lot more helpful because you've kind of given them the, like the, the message that you're there to do some work. You know what I mean? And, and, and you're, you're doing your part. Absolutely. I think the, the, while I was in communication with these towns, uh, the assistance, um, that I was given was one of the factors that played into me purchasing the piece of land that I decided to fall on, which was, you know, these people seemed very, the, uh, there was one woman in particular, I don't want to say her name, uh, just because, you know, these are, like you said, they're very real people and I have a very real <laughs> piece of land. And, um, but, um, she was a godsend, you know, when I just started communicating with her. Um, and I, I think, uh, you know, kind of, as you said, a, these are real people, give them their time, give them their space and B, um, you know, uh, people like to help those that help themselves. Yes. Um, and I think that, um, 
when I first started looking for land, um, I wasn't kind of acting in good faith, so to speak. Um, you know, when I would be, when I would reach out to people, uh, that worked for the city, I had, I very much so had the, uh, I'm a, I pay my money in taxes. You work for me. (laughs) Right. Hop to it. Hop to (laughs) it. Um, and you know, over time I realized that that, that certainly didn't fly. Um, uh, and then also, um, just catching the vibe of the area as well. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I lived in New York City for a very long time. That's the city that I call home. Um, and uh, I realized that New York can really make me a grumpy person just naturally <laughs> um, with a lot of uh, exterior defenses. And um, just when I'm in different areas, I realized that, you know, just turn all that off and, and kind of catch yeah. the vibe and, and match people's politeness. Um, and yeah. it's, it's really helped me out a lot. Um, so, uh, so again, so just to to catch up, it seems as though whatever, if it worked and works, then that's the option to go for. Yeah. If not, or or if, uh, but if you could potentially, you know, do some planning, et cetera, do as much research as you can. And it seems like if you um, just are, do you don't have the time, you don't have the effort and, and, you know, just be honest, some things are beyond certain people like there's certain building things i just can't do i've tried to do i like to try something and fail and then say oh no all right i can't (laughs) do that um so there's certain things where you know again like i i don't think i'm an expert at this at all so sometimes it's just like look i can't do this um what is the process of reaching out to a planner in their region um and and how do they kind of like raise their hand and say they need some help uh would the city help point them in the right direction should they hop on google can they reach out to you and you help people around the the nation like i i'm, I'm actually like very curious yeah. about that in case yeah, i catch myself sure. in some hot water in the future yeah yeah no absolutely so yeah i i can help people across the country it's not the kind of thing where i'm board certified in california only you know or anything mm-hmm. like that um in in as i gotta mention zoning is very similar everywhere so it's something that can definitely be there can be some level of consulting done from anywhere uh certainly over this last year with the pandemic, when everything went virtual, even, you know, public hearings for zoning cases, um, whether that's use permits, whatever it is, that all went online as well. And so everything was handled that way. And I think we've gone more that way, which make it easier. That said, if you can find someone that is local and has local knowledge and is, you know, is, you know, really knows the people down at your county or city, that's probably the better way to go if you're going to go through mm-hmm. a process. If it's just about understanding information and, you know, here's what I want to do. What questions do I need to ask? What zoning do I need to look for? You know, those kinds of things. That's something, you know, do a Google search, send me an email or hit me up, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yes, you can always hire somebody that way. Um, you can also look for, you know, just Google people in your area, land use consultant, planning office. Sometimes architects can help. However, architects should be doing architecture. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I do some design work, but I'm not an architect. Sure. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, I'm not an architect. You should go hire one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel I might be biased since I am a planner that, you know, it, it, it's the kind of thing that a lot of architects will handle and a lot very capably, but mm-hmm. also they may get in, you know, kind of out of their wheelhouse with it. Um, but a little kind of insider tip of a really good way to find a good land use consultant yeah. is to go through the meeting minutes from the planning or zoning commission. Wow. And in those minutes, you will see the same names start to appear over and over again. Those are the people doing a lot of work in that area and helping a lot of people. And so those, those are the, the people. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah. that's who you want to talk to. And, and, you know, they may end up being crazy expensive, but mm-hmm. they'll, they'll somebody that can, they can point you in another direction. Um, the catch, you, you know, sometimes a county or city will, you know, refer people, but they have to be careful with that because they'll get sued. Yeah. You know, if they're referring, you know, two, three consultants and somebody's like, Hey, how come you never mentioned me? You're, you're favoring them lawsuit. Yeah. And so more often than not, they'll say, I'm sorry, you, you just have to go find somebody. I can't, I okay. can't tell you who, yeah. Uh, but yeah, going through the minutes and seeing who's in there a lot. That's a good way to do it. A little insider tip. Wow. I love those, those pro tips of like, and, <laughs> yeah. and, and the funny thing is, is once you take a step back, it's like, oh, that, that makes so much sense. <laughs> yeah, totally. Right. You're like, why did I think of that? Yeah. But yeah. 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 Cool. Cool. Yeah, cool. So, uh, shifting gears a little bit, um, let's talk neighbors. Um, mm. <laughs> from, uh, from what I understand. And, and again, I kind of don't even know how to steer the conversation. I kind of just want to let you run wild. Um, just cause <laughs> the info that you're given is so good here. Um, but from what I understand, most towns aren't like you, like you said before, they're not actually out to get you. They're, they're right. out to do the, the work of the people. Um, and I'll, there's a lot of really good people that work at these towns that live in these towns, um, et cetera. Um, so they're not scouring the streets day and night looking for citations to give um, or violations to give. So um, what I've heard and what I've surmised, so to speak, is that a lot of the time it's neighbors or, you know, it's it's someone in the town, but it's normally the person who has to deal with it the most, which is your neighbor yep. to your left, right, up, down. Um, so can you talk to me a little bit about that and how that kind of plays itself out? Yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's a, it's a, it's a insightful question to ask because a lot of people don't even know that, that to, to a lot of people, the idea that someone else can tell you what you can and can't do on your property is insane and un-American. And, you know, they're like, what, how, what, who are they? Why do they get to say? And, you know, in some ways, I guess it is, but in other ways, you know, it's something to be grateful for. One, because the, the whole idea of zoning in general was that back before we had that, and there are actually some places now that don't use it to, they don't really use it the way everybody else does. But in the beginning, you could put, you could have your house, your happy little house, and then somebody puts a fat rendering facility right next door. And, and, you know, they're running the worst industrial uses right next to you. And so zoning was the purpose was to, to keep bad things like that from happening. Fast forward a couple hundred, now few hundred years, and we are at a point where zoning does a lot more than that. I, I think, honestly, it's gone probably a little too far, but it's important, and we should be grateful that we have it for that reason, that, that you don't have terrible things being done next door. Um, and then as, when it comes to the building codes, and that can get really frustrating as well when you want to do three tents or three domes and the county says, oh yeah, absolutely. You're going to need to put in a 24 foot wide road all the way there. You're going to have to have parking. You're going to have to have a septic tank. You're going to have to have you know all these things. And you're like, oh my God, mm-hmm. why? All I want to do is this. Well, the reason why is, is it all comes down to public safety and welfare. They're doing that so that people aren't digging holes and we have pit latrines covering the earth and all of our watersheds. They have a road so that if there is a fire, a fire truck can get down there and turn around and get back out. They're doing, you know, the building code is there so that if we have an earthquake or whatever happens, our buildings don't fall down on our heads. And in places around the world that don't have these things, you can see the effect. You know, you see that 
an earthquake does come along and, and the death toll is way higher, you know, and those places are, are working hard to, to fix those problems and, and catch up. And so I guess I'll, 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 the first part of the answer is just to kind of set that context of this is why all of these codes and ordinances and things exist. Yeah. Now to get to your point about, about neighbors and complaints, you're absolutely right. Every jurisdiction that I'm aware of across the country does code enforcement entirely 100% on complaint basis. They just don't have the resources to be out. It's not like the police where they're out there patrolling and looking to stop people. The code enforcement departments, even for large metro areas, like cities that, you know, that youth, if anybody could name that city, right? Probably Chicago, um, you know, Phoenix, Miami, San Francisco, we would, people would be shocked to find out how few code enforcement officers they have. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's two, three, you know, it can be that low. They just don't have time to do it. So when they get a complaint, they go out and they look usually even just for that one thing, like they have a hard job and they get treated like the, like meter maids, (laughs) people that get yelled at left and right. Mm -hmm. They come out and it's like, Hey, your neighbor said that you have this RV and you're dumping the black water tank out on the ground. And you're not allowed to do that. I just want to look and see if that's happening. And I'm going to go, you know, the, really they're out there to figure out if this complaint is valid. If so, they have to give you a violation, notice a violation. And then, and, and they leave. They're generally not even looking like they have somewhat blinders on. They're not looking to bust you on like, Oh, I noticed you've got a, you know, you enclosed your patio too on a house halfway across the property, you know, they're out to like deal with that complaint. Um, and, and so, but, but once a complaint is lodged, once it becomes known to a county or city, now the liability is on them for anything else that happens. They have to get it into conformance because if they don't and somebody gets sick because that sludge is, has now gone out into the watershed or just your neighbor's property, they are going to get sued for that. And they're going to be liable. I mean, you know, it's, it's a, it's a big deal and it, their people's safety is the whole reason they're doing what they're doing. So, so it, it is complaint based because they can't do anything else. And then once they find out about it, they have to get you to, to fix it. Yeah. Um, what, not to go on too long here, but a whole other side of neighbors that people don't really think about is that the discretionary approvals that I keep mentioning, variances, use permits, um, special and conditional use permits, rezonings, all of those things go to public hearings. Mm-hmm. So, and they're often eventually heard by somebody who either answers to an elected official or is an elected official. And as we all know, elected officials answer to the people, Yeah, you know, and so it, it can get political very quickly mm-hmm. that if say, you know, I, with one of the groups that I'm working with, we were looking at a parcel. It was amazing. It was like 70 something acres, incredible price absolutely beautiful wooded areas, open areas. I want to say it even had a pond. I mean, it was just like, it was everything you want, right? Mm -hmm. The zoning was perfect. It was not allowed by right, but we more than easily met all of the criteria to get a use permit. And, and so one of the group went out there to look at it. They show up the, the act, the parcel is what's called a flag lot flag lots. Everybody should be aware of somewhat because they have special conditions often. And that's where you have this tiny little driveway that's like a flagpole. Mm. And then it goes behind somebody else's lot and yep. opens up into your lot. Yeah. So it, this did that 78 acres, but then it came down to this really narrow driveway that went in between two single family houses. Um, 
as soon as this this person in our group showed up to to drive down there with a realtor, people came out of their houses and stopped them basically and were like, "What are you doing here?" Mm-hmm. You know, and so it, you know, a lot of people would say, "Oh, I'm here to look at this property, go about their way, think it's great, buy it, and then try to go get a discretionary approval." Well, you're going to have to to let those neighbors know you it's almost always a requirement yep. to let people know that you're submitting this application then they get a chance to give their two cents about it mm-hmm. while a lot of people might think that that's something that oh they gave the, they you know complained about it whatever it's not their property well it just doesn't work like that yeah because the person who has to approve your request has to get reelected by those same people mm-hmm. and that's on their mind not just in a purely i need to get elected and stay in this office but I represent these people and mm-hmm. if they don't want it, it's my job to say, we don't want it. Yep. And so whether or not your neighbors want what you're doing can become a very, very big factor in whether or not you're given the approval to do it. And I think a lot of people don't realize that neighbors can have that big a say, which is good and bad, right? Bad. If you're the person that wants to do it and your neighbors don't like it mm-hmm. good. If you're, uh, if you live somewhere, you should know that you, your voice is very loud and the more organized you are and the more people you put together the more unstoppable your opinion will be. Yeah. A lot of the times while I um, chat with people, I let them know, you know, really, you know, come into it with, uh, with goodwill and good intentions. Um, and remember that, you know, with a lot of the times you're a guest, uh, you know, you're, you're entering a, a, another area, another county, another jurisdiction, et cetera. Um, you know, you're doing the research on that, on that region and, and you're, um, and I just flat out say you're, you know, catch the vibe. Um, you know, yep. for me personally, um, I drove down every main road on every city that or every town that I was looking at. Uh, I stopped at every local bar. Um, and, yep. you know, I kind of just wanted to get a, a better feel for it. Um, and I think I was coming into it knowing, you know, I'm a guest, you know, I live two hours away. I live an hour and a half away. Um, I want to understand th- this region and this location. Um, so, uh, and, and another funny story with that is, uh, I remember what one of the pieces of land that I was looking at, um, a fellow hops out, uh, a, a Almost the exact same thing as you said. Uh, he hops out. Uh, he lets me know uh, about his family lineage. He lets me know about how, how long uh, they, they've been there and how much family he has in the region. Uh, he lets me know that the uh, the piece of land that I'm looking at would need to uh, get uh, accepted by him. Uh, so that way I would be able to drive onto it. Um, and I immediately mm-hmm. was just like, look, buddy, I, I, I don't want to be your neighbor either. <laughs> I'll let you know right now. But um, I, I was yeah. at the uh, I, I personally continued the conversation just because uh, I still wanted to look at it. I still wanted to experience that. Um, I still wanted yep. to kind of get a good understanding um, uh, of the process. I think that was land number four that I looked at. And I remember driving back home saying like, wow, that was that was an experience. Um and, uh, you know, kind of having being a bit deflated, but, uh, yeah. also, you know, like you said, it's, it's very true, um, in terms of, uh, in terms of that. And, and I would ask in your situation, did they even move forward or did they just say, you know what, this seems like they don't want someone here and we're going to yeah. take our business elsewhere. We all agreed. That's it. Deal breaker. Even mm-hmm. though it was just it, it, every other aspect of it was perfect. It mm-hmm. was just otherwise perfect, but it's, it's not worth it. Any any neighbor that's that's that immediately inserts themselves in what you're doing is going to continue to do that forever. And and you know, I, I hate to say 
to, to say that that's always going to be a negative thing. It won't always be, you know, there are definitely situations where a neighbor might turn out to be an incredible resource and they might fully support what you're doing. And they might, you know, they might be very involved in a good way. After 15 years of doing this though, I can tell you that typically when people who are okay with something go on about their life, mm-hmm. you know, they might, they'll, they'll say hi and introduce, Hey, we're your neighbor. Here's a pie, whatever. But they're not going to start asking a bunch of questions. They're, oh, you're doing what? Oh, great. Good for you. We'll see you later. You know, <laughs> the people that, that have a lot to say about what you're going to do, they tend to want to control what you're going to mm-hmm. do as well. And so for us, it was like deal breaker. Any property that accesses a road as via an easement mm-hmm. or a shared private road, immediately deal breaker for me. And, and that's because you're going to have to get those people's approval for everything you do. And even when, even when you have that approval, they may you, you might become very successful and popular. Now you've got more people coming. They may not like that, and now you're done. You mm-hmm. know, and and so I think making sure that you really control your destiny as much as you can with the property you have is is, is going to save you a lot of headache down the road. Yeah, you know, it's headache you may not have run into, but I've been doing it for a long time, and a lot of people run into it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I believe the term was easement. Uh, he was letting me know yeah. that uh, you're going to need an easement, and I'm not handing one out. And I said, great. Well, yeah, you know, so I didn't mean to interrupt, but, yeah. but that's another, that, that brings up another good point. Like, don't just automatically believe anything a neighbor tells you. Mm-hmm. I, I, in selling our property that we sold recently in California here, uh, I had a neighbor who was adjacent, but it was kind of back of property. There was acreage. So you couldn't even see our houses from each other. Um, she contacted our realtor without saying a word to me and wrote this really pretty crazy email saying how they were advertising part of her land is in the sale. And this is utterly misleading and she's going to sue and do all this terrible stuff. And the the big issue was because there's a a shot taken from a drone that Mm -hmm. if you went up from our property and looked out, you saw the Pacific ocean and the the rolling Hills leading up to it. It put it into some context, right? Mm -hmm. I think we all, any reasonable person would have seen that and not thought, Oh, this 2.3 acres is inc- includes, you know, the the mi- miles all the way to the ocean, and you know, it was it was kind of insane to me. But she really believed we were advertising part of her property for the sale, mm-hmm. and 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 reached out to our realtor without talking to us, and then proceeded to really. She got very serious. She's like, "I'm calling the county. I'm telling them what's going on." And da da da. And I, you know, I said, "I mean, you're welcome to do whatever you want." You know, I would love if you'd talk to me because I could have assured you that I had a surveyor come out. Mm-hmm. I, you know, here's the way this whole thing works out. Um, you know, I'm positive since I, I, I am the person you're going to call at the county, basically, yeah. <laughs> that that this is being done properly. But, you know, she was inserting herself in the sale of, in my sale of my property. Wow. And I guarantee that if I had tried to do anything that required an approval in a public hearing, mm-hmm. she would have been there to say it's how it's going to ruin the world. Her, yeah. her letter to our realtor literally said, uh, the, the listing says sunsets. They don't have sun, good sunsets there. We, the, the, the only good sunsets are from our property. And we're thinking like, she owns the sun. We, <laughs> like, yeah, it's we love the sunsets <laughs> on our property. It's beautiful. What are you talking about? You know? And, and so and I've heard neighbors say it all. I mean, every mm-hmm. I, I've gone door to door for projects over the years. I don't even know how many times. And, and you know, people somewhat understandably, or at least I get that the society is like this, think about themselves. You know, their, their only concern is how what you're doing is going to affect them. Yep. Yep. Nine times out of 10. 
Yeah. And, and, and quickly on the flip side of that, there's also, because another question is, um, my neighbors love me. Um, and uh, I'm not saying for me, I, I can't speak for my neighbors. I think, <laughs> I think they're nice people. Uh, and, and it's very much so the, the, the situation that you said, a lot of polite waves, a lot of everyone living their lives and going about their days. Yeah. Um, yeah. but, um, uh, the opposite end of that is, um, and of course, you know, I'm not telling anybody to do this, but it's like, um, you know, my fence can't be eight feet high. It can only be six feet high. Uh, but I put up an eight foot fence anyways, and no one cares and everyone's going about their days. And, uh, I, you know, in reality, the city's not going to drive by and say, wait a minute, that fence looks a little high for me and, and come knocking at your door. I think the opposite end of that is, you know, letting people know. I mean, obviously, if you're dumping uh, black water on, yeah. on, on the earth, please don't do that. But I mean, um, you know, the other end of it is, uh, you know, kind of like what you said with, um, you know, uh, building in an enclosed patio or, you know, outdoor area, right. th- those, those little things where it's like, huh, I wonder – if that's, you know, fully or whatever, but, you know, in reality, it's something that, that, that can go by. I've seen in certain locations, um, while I was reading the info on, on the town's website, they said no solar panels and I'm driving down main street and I see solar panels everywhere. (laughs) Uh, you know, those little things that I've just noticed. Um, I think that's the, 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 the opposite end of the spectrum with a good neighbor or, you know, a neighbor that is just going about their day. Yeah. When code enforcement works on complaints, if nobody complains, then for the most part, there's not going to be an issue. Now, where that can come back to bite you is if, um, in a couple of ways. One, if you do go to get a permit for something. Mm-hmm. So say you've got, um, you know, your neighbors love you and everything's great. You love them. And you so you put up, you're running a whole glamping operation or you've got short-term rentals. Um, you've got five, to, you've got a whole tiny house village and, and everybody's been cool. Great. But now you want to build like a central pavilion and you're like, oh, I have to get a building permit for that. When that inspector shows up and he thinks that it's supposed to be empty land and you're going to build this one building, you're going to get a notice of violation mm-hmm. on all the rest of the stuff you're doing. And so, it, you know, it once you go kind of, you know, uh, under the table or, or, you know, black market, you're going to have to kind of stay that way potentially, yeah. Yeah. Um, especially which, which can be limiting. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you're building out an entire, I mean, that, yeah. that, 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 that's going the whole way with it. But yeah, I, I definitely yeah. understand that. Um, well, and then the other thing is if you ever sell your property, and this is this is something a lot of people don't do that they're supposed to do, but in the disclosures, if something is not permitted that you know is supposed to have a permit, you are supposed to disclose that to the person buying it because they think they're buying everything that is allowed. And if not, and you don't tell them, then they may have recourse against you after the fact. Yeah, yeah. And that's just not being a good person, <laughs> especially if right, you're already right. aware, <laughs> you know? Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. So if you're not aware, then obviously you can't disclose it, right? Mm-hmm. So that you're not going to, in that case, there's 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 nothing you could have or should have done. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah. And I would say, because uh, again, um, in, in another conversation that we'll have uh, when we jump into kind of what uh, you have going on, um, what bit of advice, you know, from uh, uh, as a senior planner with, you know, a lot of years of experience, would you give, like, what do you think are the high level, like the first thing that you would talk about with someone who's looking to start a glamping business that with tiny houses, yurts, tents, et cetera, um, you know, what is the thing that you wish more people had on the top of their minds? Hmm. That's a great question. I think, I think what I would say is 
is know that there is more to it than than just what there's what you want to do and there's what you might be required to do to get that. You know, a lot of people I think go into it not realizing that you might have to put in a driveway, a septic tank, uh, water storage, the the local fire, you know, whether it's a like a government fire department or if it's a fire service in some rural areas, they may require a large amount of water storage. They may require a hydrant, like a dry hydrant, not like a city hydrant, but mm-hmm. one that they can use to fight wildfires. Um, there may be requirements for all kinds of permits and studies that that you may have never thought of. So looking into some of that while you're looking for property is will save you a ton of money, mm-hmm. ton of money and I- headache. And it seems probably, (laughs) (laughs) and and it seems like, um, you know, this was my personal thought, um, while I was, uh, getting off the ground. Um, and it seems as though, uh, what you're saying is, is, you know, before you even pull the trigger, before you move, move forward, it almost seems like one of the most important uh, things you can do is think about these types of things before you get into that headache, before you get into those issues. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, that's, that's, I guess it comes back to kind of one of our early topics there. If you know that you just fall in love with land and you want this land, no matter what, even if you can't really do much of anything, buy the land and love it and enjoy it. And like, that's, that's, that's better to me than any other scenario. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? If you've fallen in love with a piece of land and you just want to be there doing something, anything, that's awesome. But if you're trying to, to start a very specific thing, Mm -hmm. make sure that thing is allowed. Um, you know, another thought had just come to me that is now flying away, but um, I'll think of it. I'll mention it. If it yeah, comes back. yeah, yeah. <laughs> please do, please do. And um, uh, I definitely edit these up a bit after the fact. So if it just pops into your head, just blurt it out. Um, so, so I would say that also with this, it seems like the level of like what type of operation in terms of scale plays a large role into it as well, where if it's, um, you know, you're looking to buy two acres um, and and just have one to two things on that um, and kind of, uh, you, you know, it's more of a low profile type of thing. It seems like it's going to be much easier to buy land, to build, uh, adhere to these types of codes um, if it's a smaller operation and, and a simpler project than something that's a large scale, or is it it doesn't matter. Land is land. <laughs> the law is the law. Uh, if you need to do something somewhere, you have to do it. Uh, you know, like, uh, you know, some of those things that you stated about, you know, uh, it doesn't matter what size home you have. You need uh, a fire hydrant here, no matter You're what. Right. Um, good question. For the most part, that's true. The smaller project that you have, the less headache it's going to be to some degree. That That is kind of a general rule. Um, but there are some there there are major exceptions almost always you know for example um if you want to do say you bought a piece of land you got 2 acres or 1 acre and you want to just put a tiny house on it just your tiny house you just want to put that on there that in some places like california is going to be really hard to do not all of california but in some places that that's going to be really hard to do there are counties and cities that a just won't allow it they're just a hard no on on living in or occupying a a non-permanent structure Mm -hmm. um and so it it could be such a big hassle that it's it's just not even going to work or you have to get wildly creative but the other thing is that okay you say it's allowed but they're going to treat it essentially like a house 
Now you're going to need to get whatever studies need to be done, soils and all that. You're going to need a septic or connection to sewer if you're if there that's available. You're going to need a well or water source, whether that's pumped or a well or city water. Um, you're going to need access, which is going to have to meet all of the standards. You're going to have to meet the setbacks, so be far enough from your property lines based on your zoning district. There's still probably going to be a lot that you have to do. It's, it wouldn't be different process-wise from building a home, like a whole McMansion that's 4,000 square feet. Mm-hmm. The process you go through may be the same. Mm-hmm. Now, on the flip side, you might be proposing a 95-space campground. But they're just, you're not proposing a lot of amenities for it. You know, it's mostly dry camping mm-hmm. and there may not be anything required. Maybe there's already a dirt road onto the property and that's going to be sufficient and you're done. Mm-hmm. It, it, there are places where it would be that simple and that 95 campsites would be way easier than one tiny house for yourself. Gotcha. Um, so there are exceptions to that. But in general, the more you want to do, the more you're going to have to go through to get it. And I think that's a big thing where you talked about location and <laughs> this is real estate, location, location, yeah. location, et cetera. <laughs> but I mean, um, that, that plays such a large role and such a large factor into this where again, something that one town would never allow in a million years, another one in a different location does not care about at all and has no laws on record about that type of thing. Um, and yeah. I think that kind of plays a big role into it. Um, uh, but I, again, everything, my, I, I honestly, my opinion is just that of an enthusiast. Um, and right. I kind of want to understand kind of what's your take on that. Um, well, I guess maybe, maybe I, maybe I don't understand the question. Like rephrase for me well i would just say uh, uh, what i'm saying is the importance of keeping location in mind and again it goes back to is oh, gotcha. is uh if, are you tied to one place um do, you know does it have to be in this town or are you willing mm-hmm. to kind of go a little bit further out or uh maybe it's a it's a two three hour drive away from your main home that type of thing that um if people are open to different locations um you know they have to think about that as well just because there's different things that are allowed in different places and that's just you know you could be trying to fit a, a square into a circle in certain locations. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yes. I mean, you know, it's interesting real estate, right? Location, location, location in traditional real estate. There are, I think typically fewer factors, right? It's, it's, and it's not so much, you know, zoning or permitting it's what are the schools, you know, are there, is it walkable area or, you know, whatever the type of thing you're looking to do or buy it's, it's external factors that, that make it is there a view that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're looking to do something that's non-traditional, like a tiny house or domes, yurts, glamping, all of that, um, I, I think it it the factors multiply exponentially, and it's a lot like buying an air, airline ticket, right? Like if you put in your dates, it might be a thousand dollars a ticket, but if you do the flexible dates, it's mm-hmm. like oh, one day earlier and one day later. And it's $49. Thank you, Southwest. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's it's a lot like that. That, okay, I wanted to do this thing here. And I, you know, they're telling me I can't do it. Well, literally, we were looking at one property where the property itself straddled the, the county line. And so there were three parcels. One was in one county. The other two were in another. 
wildly different requirements in one than the other. But at the end of the day, this is one property being sold together. Mm -hmm. And so the, the factors can, yeah, can multiply very quickly. And it really matters one place to one place, another place, physical location, but it also matters the way you ask a question. And that reminds me of what I was trying to think of earlier about advice I would give. Yeah. Um, and I turn my light back on. Um, so the, so the way something is phrased, the question you ask can have all of the difference in the world as to the answer you get. Even if you think you're getting it, that you ask the same question two different ways, that might be heard as totally different questions on the other end. Um, and as an example, I was permitting a, um, a, a shipping container as an office. And the first answer was, and that's basically what I said. The first answer was, um, sorry, it's a temporary structure. You can't do it. You're not allowed to have uh, any use in a shipping container because it's a temporary structure. I said, okay, okay, got it. And a lot of people would be like, oh, I can't do shipping containers. They said, I can't, I can't have any use in a shipping container. Mm-hmm. Well, the keyword there was a temporary structure. And I said, all right, what if I bolted this to a concrete foundation? And they were like, oh, well then, yeah, I guess you could. <laughs> and it's like, well, wait a minute. You just said, I can't do anything in a shipping container yeah, because it's a temporary structure, you know? And it's like, well, the question should not have been, can I do an office in a shipping container? The question was, I have a steel building that is going to be bolted to a concrete foundation and I want to have a, and it's going to be used as an office. Even then, if office isn't a defined use in the ordinance, use what it is. And it might be called something like a detached accessory structure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's better to use those terms. And so my advice that I give to people a lot is don't go in and ask open-ended questions in your language. Ask very specific questions in the language of the ordinance. Mm-hmm. And so an example of that better would probably be, don't go in and say, can I do glamping? <laughs> go in and say, or, or can I put a tiny house here? Go in and say, I believe my, my parcel is this address, this parcel number. It is zoned this because you should have done that work yourself to figure out what it's zoned. And this use, and you name the one that's in the ordinance, is allowed by right in this district per your ordinance section, blah, blah, blah. I would like to confirm that I will be able to construct a, and then find out whatever they're calling it, if it's a um, if it's a temporary structure, detached, if it's an accessory dwelling unit, like whatever it's called, figure that out first. And that's the part that's hard and takes some work. And so you have to do some work, but then go ask that question. That will get you such a different answer than, hey, can I do glamping on my site or can I build a tiny house? Because they have to make assumptions about what that means. Mm-hmm. And and they may not want to even bother with that yeah. or they might make the wrong ones. And that goes back to what we were talking about, about learning a little bit of the language and try to speak it. Mm-hmm. Even if you fail and fall on your face with it, they'll appreciate it and, and they'll they'll be able to help you a lot better. Yeah, yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, for myself, uh reaching out to so many different, uh, uh, I was almost playing a, a bit of a numbers game. Um, and what I did was I had an email written out, um, that I could just send to different County clerks. Um, and since I wouldn't be able to speak the exact language, uh, I, uh, had a, v- a very clear description of what I was trying to do. Um, mm-hmm. and saying, you know, at, at the time, I think I was, uh, I'm currently building an A-frame. Uh, but at the time I was, uh, more so thinking of, uh, uh, an RV, right? Mm-hmm. And I say an RV because to us, it's a tiny home, 
right to right. them I, i'd rather speak their language and meet them there and say you know i'd use it in this manner i'm not going to be living in it full time i'm not going to be living in it longer than x amount of days yeah, at a time yeah. you know just <laughs> yep, yep. just just throwing all of those bones out there and saying you know is this allowed is this okay or do you think there's anything that you know would be a problem in the future that i should be thinking about um yeah. and kind of just letting the person know that um you know i've done a bit of research i, I know a little bit I probably mm-hmm. sound a little foolish to you because I'm not I'm not speaking it a hundred percent, but I'm trying my hardest. And you know, let me know, uh, you know, and trying to be as nice as I can in my signature. Yep. You know, take your time and let me know a response. Um, and, and that's kind of how I went about it. Yeah, uh, cool. And that's the way to do it. Yeah, that's the way to do it for sure. Cool. And then uh, again, uh, a little bit of blanket advice that I want you to give to everyone. <laughs> um, uh, what is easier and what is easiest to go through? You know, if you are mm. just interested in this and, you know, you're not really married to any idea um, and mm-hmm. you're kind of just sniffing around, um, you know, I went down every avenue. I looked into domes, tents, tiny homes, A-frames, everything. Um, and all of them have their own different complexities in terms of building but in terms of mm-hmm. getting them allowed by a town, uh, you know, what do you believe is kind of the the best one or some of the best ones to go through? So that's that is a really good question. And I think my terrible answer will be that it depends on what you want to be easiest. Mm-hmm. So it, nothing is going to be easy all around. Most likely there's mm-hmm. going to be something hard about everything. So then it's a matter of, okay, well, what do I, what part do I want to be hard? Do I, do I just want it to be something that they're good? The, the city or county is going to just approve and I don't have to fight with them to get it approved. Then the more traditional construction you go with, the easier it's going to be that they're going to be familiar with it. They're going to know what it is. And so in that way, a tiny house that is on a foundation you know, or, or I mean, honestly, a traditional single family detached stick built home mm-hmm. is going to be the easiest. But in, if if we're talking tiny, then a tiny home that is on a foundation and otherwise stick built on site is the easiest thing to get approved. Um, because the the people that are going to have to look at it will, it'll be familiar and mm-hmm. they'll say, okay, yeah, this seems like the smallest house I've ever seen mm-hmm. <laughs> approved. State, yeah. You know, but that might be the most expensive thing for you to build. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if the part that if you want, if, if, the part you want to be easy is that this is something that you can purchase and bring on basically done. Then it's going to be, I would say that step one, if it can meet a building code, um, the building code that applies in your jurisdiction, then that's the way to go. That'll make it the easiest to get approved because it's like, okay, this looks very different. Somebody else built it and it's showing up here and I want to just plop it down, but I can still meet all of your codes and the inspectors coming out will be able to understand what I'm doing. They don't need to go do any research ahead of time. They're going to get it. That'll get approved. Um, it, but that that's kind of in that middle ground, right? It's like, okay, well, it might've been more expensive because I had to buy something I can bolt to the ground, but it's, it's, it, it's not as hard to get. I don't have to teach people what this is and how I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. If you want, the, if you want the lowest cost of, of whatever the structure is, then, I mean, you can go all the way down to the glamping tent, right? Or a yurt. Mm-hmm. And and that's going to probably be the cheapest thing. Some A-frames can be extremely cheap. Um, but but you're going to put the work in trying to convince people that this is allowed. And you may have to do a lot of research. And, and you may have to change the design a little bit to make it allowed. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but that's going to be the easiest thing when it comes to like, 
okay, design and um, ease of, of acquiring it and ease of setting it up or building it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's the easiest way. Can you hear my dog barking in the background there? Yeah. Sounds like the cutest, smallest dog in the world. <laughs> it is an 80 pound uh, Labradoodle. And uh, give me one second. I don't know what she is doing. I'm going to be right back. If that's sure. all right. No. That is hilarious. The The dog is just losing her mind. <laughs> just absolutely losing her mind. All good. All good. Um, uh, being mindful of time. Uh, I had one question uh, really that I, I, I definitely wanted to get to. And that is, with all of your expertise in the field, and again, you might not feel comfortable with me saying that, but I mean, it, it damn sure it sounds like it. With all of your expertise in the field, um, not just in zoning, but as well in in tiny, you know, and in thinking in this in this nature, um, talk to me a little bit about what you have going on personally. Um, just with, uh, I know that you are. I'm actually, I take that back. I'm not sure where along the process you're at. So, could you let me know, you know, what's going on in your world? Yeah, sure. So um, it seems like a lot, uh, and it probably is a lot. I am I'm working with in, in kind of multiple groups in multiple places, um, and so I am working with a couple that is in Joshua Tree and actually has kind of gotten some glamping going, mm-hmm. and they are the coolest people. I'm so glad I met them, and they have an awesome, uh, awesome thing going. Um, and so they are looking to kind of expand and, and, and make it go bigger. And in that way, they need they need my experience as a planner and some of the zoning stuff. Uh, and then also some, you know, some investment to kind of take it to the next level. And so I'm working with them on doing that. And we really have kind of the same vision. Every time we talk about it, I'm like, yeah, well, I'm kind of thinking this. And you're like, oh, totally, me too. And, mm-hmm. and you know, we, we, just, we just really feel it. And so we're working on going from, you know, two glamping tents um, up to, you know, at least seven or eight or so in, you know, on one piece of land and then taking it from there and expanding, um, to be much larger, Nice, which is exciting. Uh, and then I'm also working with a group in Virginia, um, that is, uh, that there are five of us. And so we're looking to do traditional glamping out on the East coast as well. And so we're in the process of looking for land and we're, we're, we're kind of at the beginning stages there. Uh, but that's also exciting, you know, because it's like you, you've been looking at properties, right. And, mm-hmm. and in finding that one, it's, it's an exciting process to be, you know, your imagination starts going with every, every project. Um, and then I'm also lucky enough to be working with my best friend from childhood and his wife. And uh, we're looking all over the place really. Um, and we're looking with them We're we're are, we probably should focus more, but we're looking at everything from, dry camping all the way up to short-term rentals. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, all three of those personally is, is what I'm working on. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, can you let me know, um, and if it is uh, just your profession, you know, that's one thing, but can you let me know kind of how you uh, have met some of these people that you're, you know, you're currently working with on these projects? Um, you know, I know a lot of people are lucky enough to, to know, or, or, or to, to chat with a couple of other people where there's some synergy and they kind of understand what's going on. Um, and it sounds like, you know, you have a Rolodex full, full of them. So uh, could you let me know kind of how you uh, have met these individuals? I think it's about talking to people everywhere you go. It's about you know, being, you know, even if you're not an extrovert, being extroverted about what you want to do, tell people what you want to do. Mm-hmm. A lot of people still think that, you know, I have to kind of hide it. And well, what if 
somebody knows and they go and do it. And once you have done anything and, and like really done it, you realize that it is so hard, yeah. no matter how easy it seems, yeah. no matter how simple it is so hard that nobody is going to steal that and go do it. it yeah. I mean, maybe if you take some basic idea to a large corporation, they can steal it. But for the most part, no one is stealing your idea. And if they do, if they're willing to put that work in too, maybe you should partner with them <laughs> yeah. because they're the only other person willing to spend all that time on it. And so I think it's just been about networking. It's been about, you know, getting into communities of people that are like-minded. So find those webinars and that webinar where I met the Virginia folks, I don't even, now I can't remember which one it was because I paid no attention to it. Uh -huh. I was working the chat so hard, <laughs> just trying to like talk to people and see what they were doing yep. and, you know, tell people what I want to do. And, you know, in, in, in genuinely, like I really wanted to know what everybody else was up to and what they're doing. And, and, you know, I try to, um, I try to help by offering something and I, 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 I loathe small talk and like traditional networking mm -hmm. and I'm terrible at it. Yeah. Um, and so what I like to do is just offer something. And I, you know, I understand that I have something to offer because I'm a land use consultant and zoning is something people worry about, but uh, that, you know, I, I say like, Hey, I if somebody has questions or needs help. I'm here to help. Mm -hmm. And I talk to a lot of people that way. And it's, you know, I would say 90% of them, I gave them some, advice and we talked about it and I learned a little bit about them and what they're doing. And then we don't talk again, you know, but some of them I end up working with now, you know, I've got two of the three projects I'm working on happened that way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I'm one of the things I live by is, you know, a rising tide lifts all ships. Um, if you have three ideas and I have two ideas and we sit down and we share, we both walk out the room with five ideas. Yeah. That's just yeah. how it works. Um, yeah. so, so that's something that I, you know, I really do live by. Um, and then another thing I always tell people is, um, someone who has the best, uh, uh, uh glamping situation, um, in, in Canada, in, in, in Toronto, uh, more power to them, even if it's the exact same situation that I'm running, I wish them well. They are not my direct competitor. They're just, totally. they're just absolutely not. I don't, doesn't care how great they are, how much of a lower price point, uh, you know, it yeah. just, it really doesn't matter because at the end of the day, um, people are driving to these, these types of businesses for the most part. Um, they're not flying into, to do something along these lines. So, um, you know, that's something that I always tell people in terms of chatting with others about this. You know, if, if someone has something great going on over there, more power to them. Uh, and, yep. and, and you can learn from that. Yeah. It, oh, I couldn't agree more. And really, it, no matter what your venture is, your market share is going to be small. You know, it, it's just going to be small relative to the whole. And that's, that's not a bad thing. You want that whole to be pretty big mm -hmm. and you want it to be the kind of thing where getting a small market share of it is great for you, but then don't be upset that the, you know, if you got 5% market share in any market and you're doing tiny house village, glamping, short-term rentals, whatever it is. If you have 5% of that market, you are killing it. Mm -hmm. And you need to be happy for the other 95%. Yeah. You know, you, those people are there, you're, you're there to help them and they can help you. And you, you're never going to get the majority. And if you have the majority of the market, then why are you being so terrible to the little guys who need help? <laughs> yeah, you know yeah, I mean? yeah, why are you stingy. worried about the other 30% if you have 70% of the market? You for know? sure. So I, I couldn't agree with you more that, you know, it, I, I, in everything I've ever done, and, and I guess a little glimpse into me, I've done a lot of things. Mm -hmm. I have done everything from, I've been an assistant zookeeper. 
I have been a snowboard instructor, an outdoor guide. I've worked at every rest, every position you can have in a restaurant from busing tables to waiting tables, to washing dishes, to line cook, to managing. I have um, been a carpenter. I worked very briefly as an arborist. I've done a lot of different things. And I don't even like, I mean, it's whatever you're doing, everybody should be helping everybody, Mm -hmm. I guess. I was, I was going another direction with that, but I guess at the end of the day, I mean, that's just it. Whatever you're doing, you need to be the easiest person to work with. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, I also do some acting and you know, I've been fortunate to get some good roles and, or gigs, I guess they probably are more, but they, I think that I probably gotten most of them just from they so they know that I'm going to be an easy person to work with yeah. on the set. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the actors are pretty interchangeable these days. <laughs> There's so many people doing it and you know, you're not, you're probably not getting it because you're such an amazing actor. Mm-hmm. You get it for another reason. Maybe you just fit the role, but also in large part because you're just easy to work with. And that transfers over to counties and cities. If you're the person that comes in with a smile and you know, nice things to say in a pleasant attitude, you are going to get so much farther than the person who comes in. Like you said, maybe you were in the beginning, like, Mm -hmm. Hey, you work for me. Here's what I want to know. And I want to know it tomorrow. Don't tell me two weeks or 48 hours. This is ridiculous. You know, (laughs) who wants to help that? You know, you just don't. And so if you're an easy person to work with, people want to help you. And if you want to help other people, eventually that comes back around. Yeah. I just couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I mean, to be honest, I, I, I've kicked it up a notch. Um, I, I'm, everyone kind of knows me. Um, uh, and, <laughs> and I'm okay with that. I mean, I'm, I'm yep. shaking hands. I'm kissing babies. Um, that, that amazing county clerk I, I spoke about, uh, previously, um, she's actually one of the reasons I decided to buy the piece of land that I wanted because, mm. um, again, uh, I had great assistance prior to me buying the piece of land mm-hmm. and it makes me feel as though I'm going to have great assistance in the future if I ever yeah. do need that help. Um, yep. She's getting a gift in Christmas, uh, come Christmas, and, and she's yeah. not even aware of that. I mean, I'm buying pizzas yeah. for the, for, for the firefighters. I'm buying yep. pizzas for the police. Um, again, yep. you know, I really do consider myself a guest. Um, and, and, you know, yeah. I just want to kind of learn from everybody and, and, and also uplift the region that I, I've now moved to, um, and, yeah. and be an, be of assistance there. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Lastly, I ask, um, is there anything that we kind of didn't touch upon that, you know, you, you, you kind of think mm. I, you know, that you would want people to know about zoning um, where you're just like, okay. Uh, but before you go, just remember. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, I think that I would say like, it, it seems so scary and it's not, mm-hmm. it, it's it, in fact, it's super, it's very simple, but difficult, but you can do it. It's, mm-hmm. it's, you just need to read it. Just put in the time and read it and you can figure out zoning entirely on your own. Okay. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of zoning. That's my message. <laughs> cool. 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 Thanks for making it to the end. And I just want to shout out Trinace. She recently left me a comment on one of my videos that said, I bought five acres and done everything you said don't do. I wish I had found your channel sooner. 
And I just want to shout out everybody out there that's really chasing their dreams and their goals. And shout out to Trinace out there. Uh, the Keep It Tiny podcast and the Keep It Tiny YouTube channel is meant for you guys. And it's really not about me. I want to help you guys chase your goals and your dreams. And I just want to be the platform that educates you on how to do it the best way possible. Thank you for checking out the channel. I hope today's conversation was amazing for you. There's more episodes of the Keep It Tiny podcast on our YouTube channel. And uh, just thanks so much, everybody. It really means the world to me. And remember, if you think you can do it, I know you can do it. Have a good one.